Just live from New York, we were with you earlier this week for the refinery event. Yes. Yes, you were. I'm so glad I got to see Gloria Malone this week. I got I feel like I got a little bonus from our magical weekend at Broccoli City Festival where we saw Solange together. Amen. It was great. We're gonna roll through this. This week we had an amazing Monday. Refinery <laughs> happened, finally. It was so great. It was so much fun. The comments on the video were fucking hilarious. Well, you know, I showed up looking very Honolulu tiki swell, you know, (laughs) like just in bloom and unbothered. Unbothered and shimmery than a motherfucker. Okay. If you have not seen the live feed, my God, go check it out. Look, free beauty too, you know. The commentary on, on Moonlight, the director said, that he told all the makeup artists to throw away their powder because <laughs> we shine and shimmer under lights. And I said, Hark, I hear you. So I have been taking my direction lately from the cinematography of Moonlight. Yeah. I'm glad I made that decision. Amen. I ain't gonna tell y'all until somebody endorses me for it. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 oils and berries you're using? <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, it was an amazing experience. Cecily was so awesome. Such a great interviewer. The best. I'm so glad she was our first live interviewer. Yeah, she was so good. I was so done when she told us about The Handmaid's Tale. Like, literally, (laughs) it just sounded like a rendition of enslavement. And we have already conquered that beast. So that and we got the ancestral memory of, no, the hell, I'll be be good and goddamn. And she. Ashe. (laughs) So that's going to happen to white women only because they didn't read their books. Anyway, (laughs) Gloria, we were so excited to see you there, as well as all of our Black Joy Jubilee who was present. They were amazing. Oh, shout out to all y'all. Thank y'all. Yes. What did you say, Gloria? They were so great. It was great to have them there. It really was. Mm -hmm. I loved it. So, anywho, let's get into this, y'all. This is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz the King of the South. And you are listening to the Black Joy Mixtape. Hey, So y'all can see our faces and how just absurd me and Amber are while we were recording in the living room. In actuality and in life. So being interviewed with the homie, you just automatically fall into the homie-isms. I was trying so hard not to say nigga in the refinery (laughs) offices because I'm like cool with it. But I'm also like, I want to save that for BET, bitch. (laughs) 
I want to be at World Star talking about nigga, please. You know what I mean? <laughs> nigga, what you say to me? Solange or Beyonce? Nigga, no. <laughs> nigga, Popeyes or KFC? Who? Nigga, nigga what? <laughs> them biscuits dried in the mud. Nigga, them biscuits dried in the mud. <laughs> Popeyes or churches, definitely. Nigga, stop. <laughs> But the word of biscuits, though, not the chicken. Popeyes. So, see, niggas pause. Oh, goddamn. Niggas did pause, nigga. <laughs> niggas did take a knee. I'm not going to lie. I was like, well, goddamn. Well, goddamn. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Anywho. We did a damn good job. And for those of you all wondering, can um, Amber and Jasmine do this without being ridiculous? The answer is no. (laughs) However, we can tighten it up even for our special crowds. You know what I mean? If we feel like it. Mm, I don't know. I feel like we should just continue to show up as ourselves. I I feel like Harriet Tubman got a lot of motherfuckers free. I'm sure calling somebody a motherfucker because she had a gun. White people steadily writing in to the the Black Joy mixtape inbox. So I assume every week we say some black shit that gets them lost. But they still continue (laughs) to listen. They still keep coming. So it's cool. Shout out to y'all goddamn. I hope y'all found out who Barbara and Shirley were. <laughs> if you didn't, y'all not doing your research. Report like back, white y'all. people. Did you find out <laughs> the, co- the classic conversation between <laughs> Barbara and Shirley? Iconic. Iconic, bitch. <laughs> Before <laughs> Alicia Keys asking, uh, but you don't know my name. Talking about, I use milk in yours. <laughs> this was a different kind of phone call. Before the girl is mine, all right? Hello, Barbara. <laughs> this is Shirley. Woman to woman. <laughs> you done gave away too oh, much. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> I just couldn't let it go. Anyways, we're being joined today by our amazing friend, Gloria, the other voice you hear on this line. She had several shout-outs throughout the Black Joy Mixtape because she's one of our first early listeners. Actually, it was <laughs> Gloria Malone who released the very first Black Joy Mixtape. <laughs> Out of excitement when we told that ass not to post it yet. We waking up, niggas like, oh, the Black Joy mixtape is here. Like, I don't see how. Because niggas did not hit send on that. But long and behold. If y'all don't remember, I had sent the link to Gloria in a haze and forgot to add, hey, don't tweak this out. Literally, all of a sudden, I hear the ding notification on my phone. I'm like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Gloria, no! (laughs) Hey, y'all, the Black Joy mixtape is here! (laughs) Oh, no! And Amber from the room, what happened? What happened, nigga? (laughs) I ain't even update the website yet, but fine. Do you remember that, Gloria? It was such a great moment in our in our friendship and love. I do remember that. I was just so excited. Like, finally, you all were going to do what the fuck we have all been telling y'all to do. And, like, obviously, like, autonomy and all that shit. You do it on your own time. But I was just so excited that you all finally put together the the mixtape and the podcast. And I just wanted to share it with everybody. So yes. We love Gloria, y'all. Gloria is also, as you know, this month is Creators Month. And Gloria is one, another creator that we're having on the line who's going to talk a lot about that. She was what you call a, you know, she's just a writer. She's a dynamic sister friend, but also not only classified by this, but she was also a team mom, right? 
mama i had my baby at 15 years old yes and we're gonna talk so much more about that but first we're gonna get into some headlines yes okay unfortunately ready this is i just want to say y'all the refinery let me know i'm so excited that y'all sing this at home white people have no self-control goddamn goddamn they still ain't got no self-control. It's another week of fuckery and nonsense. And again, you thought we weren't going to talk about this, uh, the Apprentice White House edition, but guess what? There has been another firing. I can't take this. Girl, it's just, I'm sure people are on pins and motherfucking toes, <laughs> however the saying goes in that bitch, okay? I'm just saying, what happens in the end? Girl, what's what does winning look like? What does winning look like? Do you get to cast the first stone against the American people? Do you get to lynch the first person? Like, what does winning look like? And and what is what is the season finale of this motherfucker? Like, it is scary though if the season finale is just Trump in there by himself with like three other people. The last man stands. <laughs> the country goes to shit. So this week they fire him to help, as white people like to call. Man, I cannot wait to get into this fucking reverse racism ass picture. Let me tell you, the very first black woman to be an usher. I know you all think this might be the person who wears white gloves at your churches, church and stands in formation. Yes. But it's a little bit different, a lot more responsibility. However, they've kept the name the same all this time. <laughs> So this isn't the person giving you side eye for coming in the the doors during prayer. Yes, or or peppermints when your kids are misbehaving Mm -hmm. or passing out fans. Mm -hmm. This is the person who's responsible of the day-to-day upkeep of the White House. Coming to your rolling, you know, it's your turn to go put some in the collection plate. Yes, Yes, that's not the kind of usher we are talking about, niggas, okay? Dad and the R&B singing, I'm the only two I know. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) Her name was Angela Reed, and she was the first black female chief usher of the White House. Apparently, they hardly ever switch these people because, you know, (laughs) black people in servitude transcends political parties. All right. But not saying that this isn't, let me also say by saying this, I'm making fun of white people, not necessarily people who are in service positions because I actually believe and value your work and you actually should be getting paid more, which is why I don't understand why the name of this position is still Chief Usher. But you know, white people are awful, especially those in political positions. And I assume homegirl just had a too much freedom in her eyes for Donald Trump's liking because what other reason would you have to fire this person? They probably found out her nephew was like D-Ray or something. <laughs> <laughs> you seem too closely affiliated. You've been whistling, uh, we gonna be all right and shit. She probably got caught singing, I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Y'all, there's no telling. There's no reason. Like, we can make up anything for why this woman they was fired. found out that she did not vote for Sessions back when he was in Alabama. Girl. You know. They're like, where are you from again? Mm-hmm. Reed's a family name. Reed. 
Mm. Anywho, moving on. That was the firing this week, unfortunately. Oh, I'm. I don't. I don't really know. Should we feel sad about it? Um, I mean, anytime a black woman you loses a source oh, of yeah. income, it is quite the disappointment. But that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's right. But you know, the because we're talking about it, and it seems like a show. You know, you forget that these are actual people sometimes. That is true. Because usually, I don't really think about these white men as people. I certainly I don't give a fuck what the FBI they director sure ain't is doing. Of us as people, absolutely you know? not. Not until they got fired. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. But this one, I'm mourning, okay? Yeah. This is the loss where you be like, this person went too soon. <laughs> it should have been Bar. It should have been Karen before Miss Reed. It's true. It, you know it is. Yeah, she was on her way out. I don't know how she did it, but... It had to be them HBCU presidents. Okay, next. All right. She didn't crease somebody's pants quick enough. So next up is this Turkish embassy fight. Girl. They are not at the graduation. Did y'all see them white people brawling at that graduation? That's what this Turkish embassy fight was like. So Amber talks about, did you, so me and Amber are talking about the pair of white people this week. You know, mm. they just turning up at the graduation. She was like, girl, but did you see them turning up at the Turkish embassy? Mm. I was like, oh, wait, no, what are you talking about? She was like, girl. <laughs> and she turns on the video mm. and apparently... The Turkish, what, what's his position? The Turkish president was here visiting Donald with, Trump with nine, and um, his the the president's security was outside, and there were protesters, and they forgot that they were in the U.S. and started beating ass. Okay, yes, the Turkish security started beating. <laughs> The cops American didn't know what to do. Protesters, as you in the video, there are niggas in suits kicking, fighting. There's people, blood, yeah. There's mayhem. Uh huh. This is happening on U.S. soil. On U.S. soil, outside of an official meeting with the president. My God. So while me and Amber are going to spend the next week trying to figure out this whole what's go- really going on with yeah. Turkey. Gloria has introduced <laughs> us. Apparently, there's a, a black man studying all this. What's his name, Glo? Um, His name is Russian Star on Twitter. But um, he is, I believe it's, his name is Terrell Star. So Terrell, apparently, brother, we reaching out because we don't know what, you know, our news don't tell us shit. So Black Joy Jubilee, tweet him and tell him <laughs> that the, the Black Joy mixtape needs his assistance, please. Meanwhile, thank you. my fucking study abroad trip was to a full ass Ankara, but I still just don't know what this is all about. But, but what we did find was we don't have all the answers, but I have a lot of questions. And here's what I found so far. Okay. Because I think people brawling outside of an official meeting with the president is not just some local D.C. Georgetown type of bullshit as much as the media would like us to believe that. Right. A couple of months ago, there was an assassination in Turkey. Yep. The Russian ambassador to Turkey um, was visiting in Ankara and an off-duty police officer at an art, art exhibit killed him. In Ankara, Turkey. Mm-hmm. So this was an assassination. I first saw it on World Star, and the the assassination took place um, a couple of days after protests in Turkey over Russia's involvement with the Syrian civil war in the battle over Aleppo. Literally right before this man, um, Andre Karlov, 
I'm sorry if I fuck it up. It's the Russian ambassador to Turkey. Right before this man killed him, he yelled, do not forget Aleppo, do not forget Syria. Mm-hmm. So this is around the same time, like that kind of political unrest, like we must pay attention to, especially when it's abroad. But I also would like to believe that if the people accompanying their their president to meet our president is literally kicking and beating down protesters, what is actually happening here? What type of global unrest is actually happening? What is the media not covering? Right. Like, can y'all watch the post? Like, I have a full time nonprofit job during the day and access to Google. I might be able to get a couple of access to like a J star. Right. But like, really, what questions are we asking to figure out these connections at a time where we know Russia is involved with our election, involved with our president in ways that we just don't know? But that kind of adds to mainstream media that is paid for by a lot of these people who have interest in a lot of these countries, you know, we really won't get a lot of that news in a lot of ways. And I think that's why it's so important for our independent media to really speak more in terms for us in ways that we can really digest it and in ways that can actually reach us. So, because I'm pretty sure there are some, we'll have to dig and dig and dig, but I know there's some independent media who's covering this. We just have to look a little deeper to figure it all out. But anybody here listening from Washington Post, these are my questions. Please get me some answers. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Moving right along. Um, Let's go into Black Women the Gods. Just... Because we have a god on the line again. We have Gloria Malone. Gloria, what's your Twitter? Um, unfortunately, I put my government name on my Twitter. So it's just Gloria Malone. Yes. I regret that every so often. <laughs> <laughs> what would you change your Twitter name to if you could right now? Pick your best one. Uh, Nipples and Toes 23. <laughs> yes. Yes, That's- Nipples and Toes. Nipples and Toes. <laughs> Not separate. Together. <laughs> if y'all haven't watched Master of None, it's so fucking good. Maybe we should talk about that. Oh, so that was from a show? Yes, it's amazing. You I- have to watch episode eight, the Thanksgiving episode of Master of None. Oh, I just figured that she was just being a little nasty telling somebody that she can suck on both. That probably was the the platform (laughs) of which this woman also chose her Instagram name. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so moving right along, another ridiculous thing that happened this week. You know, okay, so here's the thing. Oh, Oprah, we love you. Girl, nobody loves you more than Amber J. Phillips. Or Jasmine Walker. Okay, because I personally still will always believe that you are part God, part whatever you want to be. Visionary, part universe dabbler just creating Mm -hmm. things out of dust yes i'm sure there's a bunch of white men who just hate when you come in the room looking and smelling delicious just that good and telling them what the fuck is up skin just that supple but anywho, Oprah, you can't have the same people who have been creating very capitalistic white <laughs> imagery for you now leading your charge on resistance and having a conversation <laughs> about race. That's 
where we're starting with this. Jasmine, do you want to tell them about these pictures? According to Huffington Post Black Voices, these profound, this was literally the headline, y'all. These profound photos masterfully turn racial stereotypes on their head. (sighs) I'm already bored. So there is a power, a quote unquote, powerful photo essay happening in the Oprah magazine this week called Let's Talk About Race by photographer Chris Buck. So according to the editor-in-chief of O Magazine, Lucy Kalin, she basically said... Where's Gail? Wasn't she (laughs) over this? Gail would never. (laughs) The story grew out of a big ideas meeting we had with Oprah. It was a topic on all of our minds, and she was eager for us to tackle it, she told the Huffington Post. The main thing we wanted to do was to deal with the elephant in the room, that race is a thorny issue in our culture, and tensions are on the rise. So let's do our part to get an honest, (sighs) compassionate conversation going in which people feel heard, and we all learn something, especially how we can all do better, move and move forward. Boldly with open hearts and minds. First off, race is not a thorny issue. People, racism is. That's what's really people hating people of uh, other races is the fucking issue. Actually, I'm fine with being black. I love it. Racism is getting people killed. It's not thorny. It's a deadly issue. See, I knew it wasn't no black man who did that. No, if he. If he ain't just white, he's definitely white adjacent. Um, Chris Buck. <laughs> uh, don't really have a whole lot to say. I'm just saying around a lot of these brands trying to tackle race and try to get involved in this moment where our political movement is influencing our culture. Y'all can't be in these meetings think y'all got all the answers. It's just not true. (laughs) These conversations have been happening. Dr. Dorothy Irene Height was doing conversations in Mississippi where she was getting people from the North into the South to talk about race. Like people have been having where white people would talk to black people in Mississippi about what's going on or race. Like these conversations have been happening. So it's not really innovative (laughs) To be like, we want to be the starting place for a lot of people. When really these pictures are really dangerous out of context. Girl. So we ain't even got there about these photos. So these photos are literally depictions of white people in women of color labor spaces. Specifically, You said white people, but it's specifically white White women. women. Yes, it's white women doing women of color, domestic work essentially so in these photos there are white women giving pedicures to these asian women in one photo there's another photo where a white woman is breastfeeding a black baby as this black woman looks like She's a dignitary go, uh, go out bitch <laughs> freaking dress down, girl. <laughs> you know living that real housewives of potomac life in real time um, there's a Latina woman um, with a is, white maid. A white maid, yes. So these are all the photos I saw. And then there's a white child, a white girl child, looking at a full display of black dolls. 
Because she can't find her doll. She can't find her doll. Which I find it interesting that that's the story that they, this photographer flipped when he's a white man. Like, right. why not show what the reverse of that actually looks like for white men? Like, instead of mm-hmm. this white women, it's white woman-centered imagery that actually is not what will start a conversation around race. Basically, first off, what makes y'all think we would plug y'all into these positions that you would even be qualified? We already told y'all, white people would make awful The worst kind slaves. of slaves. <laughs> I've seen your tasty videos, bro. How many times I got to tell you, you can't just season chicken with salt and pepper and that be it. <laughs> and then wrap it in cheese. But that's not <laughs> even the issue, right? Because you you talking about salt. There ain't no salt on that chicken. It's just cheese. So <laughs> and fucking mayonnaise then wrapped in bacon. My point is this. Y'all's food choices. But we the unhealthy motherfuckers who pioneered marinating chicken and mayo. It couldn't have been Big Mama. And ain't a lick of seasoning in the ingredients of mayonnaise. <laughs> All and egg ain't got no flavor. That ain't a thing. When have you ever just put some oil and some <laughs> egg yolk on some shit and be like this? Fuck Don't act. This gonna fuck them up. Yeah. Ooh, go put me some oil and egg on a uh, on some toast, baby. I mean, but that's what you're doing when you get mayonnaise. But I'm just saying, like, True. you ain't gonna see But nobody's no eating ma- pork loin with it. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't real. You can't do that. It's gonna taste I'm disgusting. Sick right now. <laughs> If I see another tasty video where fucking produce is being wrapped in bacon, I'm going to die. But the point Why is hasn't this. there been an epidemic start around that? Because when y'all saw the movie Soul Food, y'all just knew black people was about to drop dead. It's just about to drop dead. We had <laughs> all the anti-stop eating your chicken fried now. <laughs> Announcements happen. Meanwhile, <laughs> bougie-ass fucking restaurants in D.C. <laughs> Got fucking chicken and waffles on the shit. Any, I'm sorry. Go back. Focus. <laughs> the point is this. <laughs> White people, one, y'all shouldn't have to be put in places of servitude <laughs> to start thinking about how race is fucked up. How racism is fucked up. Is that really what's gonna take? Is that really what y'all imagine is really gonna have to take? Like, the fact that people are being shot dead on video ain't enough for y'all. Us telling y'all that we have been disproportionately and have continued to be routinely discriminated against in the criminal justice system, like, that ain't enough. Us telling you that we are being poisoned by our governments are not enough. No, I need to see myself doing a job that I know I would hate, but I enjoy every Saturday. (laughs) The job I'll never do. I'll never. I could never touch these feet all day. But the thing is, white people are always trying to separate themselves from their racist kindred. And because y'all silly selves keep doing that <laughs> shit, you didn't think that these motherfuckers have the ability to copy and paste from websites, too. It looked like some anti... It looked like the new KKK literature. It looks like KKK literature to me. <laughs> you don't want to be doing no toes now, do you? They keep talking about black feminism. What they really want is for you to be breastfeeding <laughs> their kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
like it looked like the white women's edition. This is why we need a wall for Latinas. Get up here and start having you pour their coffee and turn their sheets down. That ain't what you want now, is it? Reddit don't give a fuck. And we just told y'all on Refinery that Reddit is going to start this handmaid's tale for y'all. Period. So. Anyways. If y'all ain't watched the Refinery, go to the Mention Entertainment page. Or it's going to be somewhere on the Twitter. Y'all should really watch it because we acted up. We really did. But the point remains, this is dangerous, Oprah. Yes. You should have, like, really took just a pause. Just call us. This is what we do for a living. We can help. Just call us in and just brief us on what y'all finna do, and we'll we'll give you a yay or nay. <laughs> It'll take us solidly an hour, but it's going to cost, like, $30,000. But let, we'll talk about that For an extra charge, we'll change, we'll change the, the whole entire campaign. You know, but... <laughs> so... Just do better, y'all. Corporations, we see y'all trying to do better. Just talk to more people. That's all we're saying. There's plenty of digital strategists. Pick you one from Twitter who can come in and give your ass a really good campaign that we actually need. Actually, bell out mamas. Let's keep doing that. So we have, again, we have Gloria Malone, who is a bad bitch, um, hailing from the Bronx, correct? Yes, I come from the land of Remy Ma and Cardi B. Yes. yes. So I think that's a great segue to also deeply tie you to the fact that your homegirl Cardi B got her BET nomination this week. Are you excited? I'm so excited for her. And she said if she wins that she going to throw a barbecue in the Bronx. So I really need her to win so I can go to this barbecue because yes. I need some good barbecue. Honestly, and I, Jocelyn Hernandez is on the real now. Afro permanent. I don't know. She been on there for a while. Are they on summer break though? Now I don't know. Oh, about I don't know if the real is on break or not, but I do know that Afro Latinas are just killing it right now. From Jocelyn to Juju to Cardi B, it's just it's great. It's amazing. Awesome. And you are an Afro Latina, correct? I am. I'm an Afro Latina. I'm Dominican. Helen from the Caribbean. So what what does it uh, exactly mean to be? We've talked about this on the show before, but what does it actually mean to be Afro Latina? What does that identity mean for you? Well, for me myself, it means um, that I'm black. I'm a black Latina. Like there's no black and Latina. It's just black Latina, right? Like or Afro Latino. Um, it means that my skin is black. There's a really interesting thing now where. Um, a lot of folks are, are, a lot of, some Latinos are coming into um, acknowledging their African roots. And so somehow they decide that they're Afro-Latinos as well, but they look like Jennifer Lopez or, you know, fucking, I don't know, any white woman that you see walking down the street. And they're like, well, I'm Afro-Latina too, just because somewhere down the line, something or another. And that shit is just exhausting. Um, so for me, <laughs> <laughs> just for me, it's I, I look black, right? I have I come from a line of people who are descendants from enslaved folks who were brought to the Americas, right? Um, and that that the influences are in our food, it's in our dance, it's in the way that we talk. Um, as a Dominican, I talk about how Dominicans don't speak real Spanish, aka like our colonizers language. Um, so Spain, Spain, uh, Spanish, which is just bizarre to me. Um, so we were often saddled with like not talking real Spanish, 
um, not wanting to acknowledge that we're black, which is 100% true. That happens all the time um, in the Dominican community, but it like it happens in all Latin American countries. Like people don't want to acknowledge blackness at all across Latin America, and that's in every single country. I mean, Mexico just put Afro-Mexicans on their census form, like last year, after decades of organizing by, um, you know, um, Afro-Mexicans. So for me, it means looking black, experiencing life as a black individual, um, and also fucking speaking Spanish and like dancing bachata merengue and fucking, I don't know, just being dope. She said, I don't know, being dope as fuck. Like you thought. Specifically, we're talking about anti-blackness in Latina households, right? And so how does that impact your relationship to blackness or how did you come to this understanding around your roots and understanding your or accepting your identity as an Afro-Latina? Um, so as cliche as it sounds, the first real, like, so... I don't know. It's it's like a it's kind of like long and convoluted and complicated. But basically, um, anti-blackness is fucking universal, right? It, it's just everywhere. And so there is, of course, a, a hesitation to teach young black Latinos that they're black, right? Because for whatever fucked up reasons. Um, and so for me, I was always, I I was I did not. Um, and I, t- I told y'all this before, but I was not, um, I wasn't proud to be black, right? I didn't really, I was like, I'm Dominican, that's it. Like, I'm not black, right? Like, how fucking stupid is that? Um, like, I'm sitting here breaking combs and shit every day trying to comb my hair. And <laughs> like, you know, suave mousse in my hair, like, that shit's gonna do fucking anything for it. It took me a while to, to realize that, like, basically what Mama Tina said on a seat at the table is, like, there's just so much beauty in blackness and that everything that was like dope and amazing about me was because of my blackness, not in spite of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that took, a, that, that took a while to be honest with you. And it was like, I, there was never a question about whether or not my skin is black, right? Like I look in the mirror, I see a black girl. I saw myself as black, but I didn't identify with black culture um, for a, for what I thought was only black culture, right? Because to be very clear, a lot of Dominican dishes are uh, like based in African uh, dishes. Um, a lot of our dance, our music, right? All of that shit, it's all from Africa. There's no question about it. There's no debating it. Um, white Latinos did not make that shit up. Spain did not make that shit up. So I was engaging in black culture, but not understanding that it was black culture if that makes sense because i had this other part you know i had this this i had i was growing up in a house that was like i'm just dominican that's it right or we're speaking spanish we're latinos that's it um so it was it was a it was a journey um but I don't know. I guess that's my answer. <laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> I'm learning so much shit because I think even the responses, because there's, of course, Afro-Latino, Afro-Latina listeners, um, Afro-non-binary um, Latinx listeners who um, listen to the show. And it's because they're identifying with the blackness. They're identifying when we talk about George Lopez and all these different things. So to me, it's just so great to hear from you because I feel like, um, even as a black woman, um, getting to know black you, American. um, getting to know you and speaking with you, 
is I identify you on so in so many ways because we're both black women, but also I learned so much from you because you're off also um, um, Latina and you're Dominican. And can you tell us a little bit about your birth story and becoming a mother? Absolutely. Um, so I will start a little bit before, just because I, I feel like oftentimes the story only starts at pregnancy and I was like a whole human being before I became pregnant and Mm. all of those things before impact right the ways in which I experienced my pregnancy the ways in which I told family um all of those things um and so for me I I, I'm an immigrant I my family moved from the Dominican Republic so um we were of course um you know seeking the American dream air quotes um and so we moved here um, when I was really young, and like mo- like a lot of um, immigrants, we experienced a culture shock, right? We experienced financial shock. We experienced all of the all these things. And for my family, we moved from um, mi- we moved from Dominican Republic to the Midwest, which I don't know why the fuck that happened. <laughs> but uh, we actually moved to Michigan, so it was cold as hell. You know, yes, it <laughs> is. I feel like the Midwest, like Canada just gave birth to the Midwest because it's always. Hey, now, I feel like the South gave birth to Midwest, but I get what you're saying. (laughs) No, no, no. In terms of weather. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let's look. Because Canada, it's white for many reasons. So did y'all have family in Michigan? um, I think one of our uncles was there. We, there is a large Dominican population in Michigan. Okay. Um, so it's I guess I don't know. Roads, Michigan, underground, the Latinx, you know, Black Latinx Underground Railroad, and we found ourselves in Michigan. Right. Um, and so family, you know, struggled a lot, and um, we also moved around a lot. Um, I went to about I think eight or nine elementary schools. So um, you know, it, it, and across state lines. So it wasn't just like going from one school from one end of the block to the other block. I'm talking from like. New York to Florida, Florida to Michigan, and just all over the, the fucking United States. Um, and so I, grew, grew, growing up, you know, with that, and also being one of the youngest of my families, um, one of the youngest of my, and my siblings, it was really hard for me to make relationships, like, and friendships that were, like, long and lasting, because we always moved. So what was the point of starting you know, a new network of friends when you're just going to have to move in a few months or probably a year. Um, And so I would um, self-isolate a lot. And um, as we all know, folks who are living in financial poverty, right, um, are dealing with a number of of fucking public health concerns, which includes mental health concerns. So for a long time, um, I had depression and anxiety, and I I didn't have words for these things. Um, but they still, just because I don't have words for it doesn't mean it doesn't exist and I don't want to experience it. H- and so I, <laughs> I was experiencing depression and anxiety and um, self-isolation as a, a form of, of protection. Because, I again, I didn't want to start relationships with folks who would have to leave behind. And um, I started a conversation literally with my neighbor and the neighbor turned out to be my daughter's father. <laughs> <laughs> um, Got the rapping and that's how it happened. Ping, pong. ping, ping. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when I became pregnant, um, I... How old were you? Was, I was 15 years old when I became pregnant. 
Mm-hmm. And I was in school. I was, and I, I don't share this at all to like, cause I don't buy into respectability at all. Like fuck that shit. So, um, I was doing all the right things, right. Air quotes of like, I was involved in drama and course I was running track. Um, I was in honors and AP classes and by all accounts and purposes and, you know, our, our fucked up, uh, sexual health education courses that we get taught here in America, I wasn't supposed to be having sex because that's what bad girls do. That's what girls who have terrible grades do. Um, you know, girls who aren't involved in extracurricular activities do. And, um, I sure as hell should not have been having sex and I was not supposed to get pregnant. And so when I became pregnant, um, I was, I was super shocked, right? Because I'm fucking 15 and I'm pregnant and I didn't plan this shit at all. Um, And I also was kind of like strangely like, oh, okay, Um, now I'm pregnant. And I quickly, I told him, I decided to tell my mom super early because I wasn't going to hide it. I just... Y'all know me. I'm just, I'm just gonna like. <laughs> like I'm pregnant now, bitch. What you gonna do? You gonna help or no? <laughs> she an what am I gonna do? Right. <laughs> Listen, mom. Um, I'm pregnant. It's important to note that I was in Florida, right? And so, if we're talking about abortion laws, people in uh, people uh, under 18 in Florida, um, at least at the time when I was pregnant, and still now, there's probably more restrictions. Um, I couldn't get an abortion without parental consent, right. um, and without my parent taking me to an abortion clinic. And I told my mom I wanted an abortion. And the minute I said the words, I was like, that didn't, that just didn't feel right for me, right? Um, and every, I, like people make the choices that they need to make. I respect that 100%. Um, and my mother shocked the shit out of me. Um, she told me, you know, I don't agree with abortion, but if that's the choice you want to make, then I support you in it. Hey, good job. That was That was because my mother is raised Catholic, um, and for her to say that was just fucking mind-blowing to me. And so I, I told her right away, I went through my pregnancy, um, stayed in school, um, which was a fight. People were trying, my people, I mean faculty and staff, not students, not my peers, were really um, stuck on me not finishing and not continuing school. And so oftentimes I wouldn't get homework because they would literally tell me, oh, we, you're not going to be here anyways. What? Um, yeah. My academic advisor stopped talking to me um, because I wasn't going to, quote, graduate anyways. Um, and my, they made all this th- assumption just because you were pregnant. Meanwhile, Serena just won like a Grand Slam or some shit. Ran one like a fucking grand slam. Meanwhile, fucking Beyonce was balancing on a hydraulic chair, yes. right? Fucking and all with, the things she was doing with Blue. Yeah. She was touring right up until. Yep. Seriously. Um, they and just so, put a little curtain over her belly as she did it. But you don't, you all don't <laughs> think women, teen moms can't read and write still when they're pregnant? The fuck? The fuck, y'all? Mm. My that's God. That's why we know respectability politics is bullshit right because I was doing all the right things and the moment that I started to show in my pregnancy and and faculty and staff started to find out I was pregnant none of those things fucking mattered all of those things were somehow erased they didn't exist anymore and somehow they were mutually exclusive from the human that I have been this entire time Mm. um and all of that just exacerbated my depression and then my anxiety and I was you know really struggling emotionally and mentally and didn't know what the fuck was going on. 
um, as y'all know, black folks don't talk about mental health. Latinos don't talk about mental health. And if you're an immigrant, you're just supposed to fucking suck everything up because of how much was sacrificed to get here. Um, and so that we never talked about mental health. I didn't know the phrase existed. And so I just struggled throughout my entire pregnancy while going to school um, and also didn't know my rights. I, um, a lot of folks don't know that Title IX rights cover mm. pregnancy, right? And so I went to school as long as I could. Um, I always made sure to get my doctor's notes for excused absences. Um, and I came, I gave birth and I was back in school in like a week and a half's time or like two weeks time. I... So you were literally pushing your way through school as other people were telling you you couldn't. So there's... To the point where you returned two weeks after giving birth? And I I chose to breastfeed. Oh, wow. wow. And how was that experience? Where were you breastfeeding in the school? So like I said before, y'all know me. I didn't ask nobody for no type of fucking permission. I bought my breast pump, my ice packs, and my bottles. And um, thankfully, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so just so the people know, we you ain't talking about 1970. Somehow, how old are you? Um, I gave birth uh, in 2006. 2006. So, yeah, we're talk- talking. So y'all gonna have to do years. some math if y'all want to. <laughs> but I mean, it hasn't it hasn't changed, right? I work with no. I, I do work with pregnant and parents and young people still, and the stories. Uh, are, are are very personal, but the the common there's a common theme throughout it, and it's that everyone's fucking terrible to us when they, they find out that we're pregnant, um, and when we decide to make whatever choices that we make with that pregnancy. So it's not even. I'm so fascinated about this because I've also had the privilege of sitting down with some teen moms in California, and one of the things that all of them mentioned is that when they found out they were pregnant, they wanted to really work harder and how their schools were literally putting them into separate rooms. They were sent with the kids with behavior problems, all because they were pregnant at an age that their peers didn't think they should be pregnant at. And I find it really interesting that the narrative is that teen moms aren't able to succeed, aren't succeeding when they get pregnant, when really it's literally society that is saying, now that you're a teen mom, we've decided that you can't succeed. As well as not give any resources or meaningful supports to help this person who's about to parent a little person soon. Right. Because even (laughs) if you think about women who have pregnancies at our age, our first initial reaction is to crowd them with services, love, cards, flowers, onesies, diapers. Like we literally turn up for mothers, except for when we think that they shouldn't be mothers. And their peers, our peers definitely do show up and show out. I remember in school, we would have baby showers for our classmates who were pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't uncommon for us. Even if we didn't have permission from faculty, we would still make sure to, you know, sneak bags of chips to them and like whatever people could afford, little onesies, whatever. We were really excited. We also knew though, it was very clear. What I remember from seeing girls who were pregnant um, in middle school and high school was even though there was support 
we also heard what adults were saying about these people. Right. So especially in relation to, well, you don't want to end up like so-and-so. It was like a damning Whispering when sorts. they walk past. Yeah. Right. And so as a young person, you end up internalizing a lot of those messages. Right. So instead of when your homegirl tells you I'm pregnant and I'm keeping it, you just kind of feel this terror a little bit rather than just feeling overjoyed or just feeling like, oh, wow, there's a new person that's going to be in in my community very soon. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. What did um, what did your friends do when they found out you were pregnant? Did you have friends who stuck by you? What did support look like for you in real time? It's it's difficult. So like I said before, it was mo- it was staff, faculty and staff. And uh, medical professionals, um, right? It was older folks, not my peers, who gave me a hard time. Mm. Um, and that, I mean, <clears throat> that buried a little bit. You know, some people made snide remarks here and there. I actually found out years later that um, apparently I didn't know which player on the football team or the basketball team was the father of my Ooh. child. Because apparently I had, like, been with everyone on both teams, which was really weird. Um, and my friend, I didn't know that because my friends would, like, block me from that shit yeah. so they were doing the work of like blocking me from like this emotional and mental you know shit that like the, the gossip that was being talked about me right. um but that type of gossip didn't keep wouldn't keep me from graduating right my academic advisor not speaking to me could have kept me from not graduating. <laughs> come right. on somebody uh, so fine you know even if your peers if like peers are being terrible which is real right and and, and has really real consequences it's, it's not as damaging as my therapist literally saying to me oh you think you've grown now and walking out of the room and never talking to me ever again wow. right yeah so my um to my peers there was there was a varying um responses a lot of them like like you said jasmine um would were like supportive and we're excited and we're happy and ask me questions and things like that. Um, a lot of them uh, had a hard time of trying to figure out how they could still be my friend because they want it, right? Like, I know that this new person's coming into the into this equation and they're going to take all your time away. And so what does that mean for our friendship? Um, and we don't always have the words to vocalize that, but that, you know, that happened too. And um, I remember my friends pushed me to have a baby shower so that was nice and they were just like they were as supportive as we could be right i wasn't by any stretch of the imagination i was not the first pregnant girl in my high school and i wasn't going to be the last um but but they were as supportive as as they could have been and how as much as their parents would let them to right so i was now the bad girl in the group i was the one that needed to be like they had to like caution their 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 children from me, um, and so that happened too, and that was a real uh, a real consequence. Wow! Wow! This story, Gloria, and even like, I love that you again forced us to start from before your pregnancy, because now I'm thinking about the rumor that you just talked about and how really it was just like anybody who has a child or who falls in love or has a teen love like you wanted someone to talk to (laughs) and a lot of times sometimes the way it's natural for kids to want to explore their sexuality to have sex and all these different things and that's why we talk about comprehensive sex ed and age-appropriate sex ed um 
But I just love that you're able to, um, that you're giving us this full scope because again, like you're shifting hearts and minds around what does support actually look like for teen moms when they, when our communities find out that they're caring. And even before uh, these young people become teen parents, what it looks like to support young people rather Mm -hmm. than tell young people, you don't know nothing about being sad. What you know about being anxious about something? You ain't got nothing to worry about. You ain't paying no bills. You ain't doing X, Y, and Z. Right. Like there has to be a lot of unlearning when children are saying particular things about their feelings, right? Because there is a lot of stress and there is a lot of emotional labor that's happening, especially in school settings, Mm -hmm. because literally in a lot of schools, they are forcing children to act in opposition of what where they are in their development Mm -hmm. so forcing children to walk in a straight line and then when they start wiggling or they start moving around you know putting them on punishment sending them out to the principal enforcing this idea so punitive 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 punishment for very Mm -hmm. natural things like having sex and being your hormones literally bouncing the fuck off your body right and not giving them the tools and resources to fully support all of it, whatever that looks like. So I have another question. Um, when we think about currently um, your experience and now um, Leilani is growing up and getting big and such, again, another delight. Her and Zoe, Jim was on the show last week, and Zoe and Leilani are like best friends. And it's like such a beautiful relationship between those two. It's amazing. I'm so thankful I got to spend Christmas with those two this yes. year. Yes, they got match- matching Doc Martens. And I was just like, that's what friendship <laughs> looks like to me. Also, matching Polaroid cameras. Come on, somebody. Just- that's what we mean by community motherfucker. <laughs> And mothering, okay? Christmas looked like how we want it. Exactly. And I'm thankful. Oh, great. But I wanted to know where is advocacy and policy falling short right now when it comes to supporting teen moms based on your story, based on the stories and the work, because you're an expert in this, based on all of that, where is advocacy falling short um, in supporting um, teen moms, teen parents, rather? Short answer everywhere. Mm hmm. Just everywhere. I mean, when we talk about safe and inclusive housing, are we talking about folks who are under 18, right? Um, Homelessness is a huge issue for pregnant and parenting young people because oftentimes parents will will have a really visceral reaction and they will literally say, if you don't do what I want you to do, you need to get out of my house, right? Whether that's if you don't get an abortion or if you don't keep this child, right? You need to get out of my house. And um, a lot of people do not know that homeless shelters will not take a, 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 a pregnant person under the age of 18 if they have a, their own child, because then they're a, quote, child with a child, and insurance purposes, they can't have what? homeless shelter. Yes. So what you have is these homeless shelters um, telling, wait, if we're looking at a women's shelter, um, and this young person's under 18, we're being told that we're children with children, and we can't stay there. Um, so... We, we can't stay there. If, we're a youth, if we go to a youth homeless shelter, we're children with children and we can't stay there. So um, when we're thinking about homelessness, when we're thinking about housing policies, how are we including families, right? Like, Bass will recognize my ass as a family, okay? Uh, why? And Bass will don't give nobody money. So right. uh, if, 
if they can recognize me as a family because that's what I am, right? Um, regardless if I'm parenting with a parent with a partner or not, I am a family. I have a child, and I'm a human. We are a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when we're thinking of housing policy, are we are we going that far, right? When we're not, when we're thinking about um, um, sexual health education, are we are we often talking to pregnant and parenting young people and asking them just talking about like how self-deprecating sex ed is? Like you said before, Jasmine, I was the cautionary tale. I was the don't become her. Well, you know what? I'm pretty fucking awesome. Oh, right. Yes. And it's because I had my daughter, right? It's because I had her at 15. It's because of the things that I've gone through um, before her and with her. And so right. when, when we're looking at sex, sexual health edu- uh, education curriculums, is it self-deprecating? Is, does it tell us that our mothers are trash because they had us when we were 15, mm. right? Um, yes, that's what we're currently still teaching. Is it telling us that we are not going to graduate high school because our mothers, because of our mother's maternal age? Yes, that's what we're still being taught. Right. Even in the most inclusive sex ed, this is still what's being taught. Well, I'm still a cautionary tale. And it, it's um, it's bullshit. Right. We, we know that it's bullshit. We know that it's lies and we know that it's policy. Right. And these and these folks who are creating barriers who are stopping me from my greatness and stopping my peers and I from our greatness. Um, when we're talking about child care, are we talking about child care vouchers for folks who are under 18? No, we're not, right? Are we talking about what childcare looks like on a high school campus? Absolutely not. We're not talking about that. Um, and so, in every every way, we are failing um, teen families. And the really big thing about the, the issue with that really is that you are setting up two generations at once for failure. Right. Got <laughs> you are setting up two generations at once for failure when we fail to support pregnant and parenting teens. That's wild. Yes. And what support are we giving these young men who are like in the lives of their, of their children? Right. Um, I know I've met so many amazing young men who are like, I want to be there, but um, you know, I can't. So in, in New Mexico, they actually passed a law that incl- that extends Title IX rights and allows for teen fathers to leave school, too, to go to the fucking appointments, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to go to these appointments with their pregnant partner. Um, and so how are we leaving out young these teen fathers in these conversations, too? Um, again, in every sense of the way. Wow. So, Gloria, what are the ways or what have been some things that you've seen work really well for um, teen parents or even specifically for yourself? Because just because you're young doesn't mean you you can't be a good mother or a good parent. I listen, I say this in every room that I walk in and I search the audience to see who's gawking at me like I'm crazy. I think being a teen parent is like the best fucking thing ever because I'm still very much someone's child and I'm raising my own. And so I'm getting these intergenerational lessons, right? And I'm able to put them in real time. I'm also able to be like, yeah, teachers sometimes are terrible when my daughter tells me that her teacher was acting off that day, right? Because I remember teachers being terrible so vividly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we, like, there's this, you know, because white folks are doing it now, it's really great where people are like, having their whole family under one roof, right? And I, we like black and Latino folks of color have been doing that. Been. Um, you know, um, so, and, and that intergenerational household is amazing because of all the lessons that are being learned um, with everyone simultaneously. Wow. Um, 
I had some really dope teachers who would allow me to just be myself. And so um, this is why we need the arts in school. It was my chorus teachers who allowed me to use rehearsal rooms to pump my breast milk before chorus practice, right? Um, it was my drama teacher who, and this is sound really cheesy, but we would, you know, I don't know if y'all have taken drama classes before, but- I we, have. We, like, <laughs> of course, yeah. We didn't have them. <laughs> It went nobody. So, you know, you play like these really awesome games for like practice and like getting into different characters and different scenes and stuff like that. And so I was pregnant as shit and I could not do some of the games that we had, right? Um, and so when I came back way too soon from giving birth, um, the drama teacher was like, Gloria, you get to choose what game we're going to play today because you haven't been able to fully participate, right? Mm -hmm. Little shit like that. Um, my, my geometry teacher, um, God bless him. I don't know shit about geometry, but I do remember that he was really fucking kind and he would um, make sure that I had my homework. It was just little like teachers like that along the way. Um, shout out to the nurse and the only person throughout my entire pregnancy that told me congratulations. Right. Those little pieces of support were so amazing. And um, yeah, just of, of course having people stand up for you, your friends who shield you from rumors that somehow you don't know who your baby daddy is um, because you like a lot of sports teams. Um, Absurd. That was a form of what a played out fucking narrative. So what do you say to folks who would argue that if they do outwardly say congratulations, because these are real things that I've heard from family members who's, who are teachers, faculty, respectable folks who just talking you know they always are saying something along the fact where if you say congratulations or you be nice to pregnant teenagers then you encourage them and you encourage the uh girls like them to to get pregnant like what do you say to people who and i can barely get the words out because it's just such an absurd thing to say but people legitimately believe it so what do you say to those people who believe those kinds of things about teen parents you're dumb no <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just, it's such a tired, it's such a fucking tired narrative. Mm -hmm. And also, if you tell me congratulations while I'm pregnant, I can't get pregnant again. <laughs> right, in that moment. In this very like, moment. ooh, you know, uh, the drama teacher <laughs> said congrats to Gloria. I want a baby. The fuck? Right? And like, it just, it, it's an asinine statement. It really is. Because when we're being told that I'm a cautionary tale and I'm the worst thing that can happen to you and the worst thing that could ever happen to this, a young person is to become like Gloria. And then I hear someone tell, say her, congratulations to her. How weak is your cautionary tale narrative that one congratulations would make someone want to go and get pregnant? Yeah. And it seems like one is based on, of course, stigma and shame has never helped anybody break a habit. It just doesn't. And then one is built on this future narrative of what happens if when right now, right now in front of your face, you have a, a young parent who is trying to birth a child and raise a child and they need your support right now. And you're literally prophesizing a failure while a system literally is setting people up for failure. Yeah. So it's the 
for me, it sounds like the qualitative part of this very systemic issue of not thinking of teenagers as people in this society, especially as people once they become parents. Because Who can like be you were good saying, parents? Yeah. they aren't even defining y'all as family. Like they are literally our insurance is telling children with children are liabilities. Like that means we cannot insure this particular center if that's what y'all bringing up in here. Like, that's the implication of that type of policy, right? A lot of people don't know that teen mothers have the highest rate of postpartum depression. Wow. Right? And so what does a nice word do for someone, right? What could that do for somebody? Um, and it's just... Keep them alive for their child. Keep them supporting their child. Right. Like, I remember when these, um, when the New York City crying baby ads came out and people were like, well, you know, and the Human Resources Administration, the spokesperson who was there, um, basically was like, we made that shit up. We made all the quotes up. Like, we talked to some teen parents, but we can't source these. We can't cite these sources because they don't exist. Right. Um, and so what really bugged me about that narrative is that I live in the poorest county in the United States of America per capita. I live in the Bronx. Okay. And so my, as we know, your zip code in the United States, of uh, uh, these United States has, is more of an indication of what life you will have than anything else. Mm-hmm. So my neighbor could have their child at 35. I had mine at 15. Our children are going to experience the same struggles and the same barriers because of where we are living, because of where we are born, because of our race, because of our ethnicity, because of our immigration status, because of policy that is bullshit, right? And doesn't go far enough to make sure that people can eat, that people are living in stable and safe housing, right? That our children are going to stable and safe daycares and schools. And so I am not what is causing the turmoil in this country, right? Mm. I am your political scapegoat and that's bullshit, right? Mm. And and it's really important that we, we we realize that because it's not my maternal age or my neighbor's maternal age. It's these overarching structures and policies that are designed to fuck us up from the beginning. As black right? women. As black women, as black families, as black single mothers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as black immigrant single mothers who are also young, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's important for us to know that because we don't want to replicate these forms of oppressions for our neighbors, for our communities, right? So when we, black folks, folks of color, you know, mothers, advocates, you know, movement folks are restating the talking points of, of, of folks who are sometimes on the opposite side of, of these issues and sometimes you're really, you know, your your white liberals um, with their benevolent northern racism. Um, what does that say? What does that say about us? How are we not asking ourselves why are we regurgitating these talking points? Right. Who are they here to serve? I love this so much, Gloria. But I think one of the things that you really highlighted for me is um, that we can feel we can change the world and we can fill so many people with joy by simply acknowledging that they exist and they are not wrong for existing. And I appreciate you so much and what you're teaching us and how you're um, constantly holding. I know you've held me accountable to like 
think about how we're not supporting mothers in our organizing work and how we're not um, our our sex ed policies or the things that we're advocating around don't go far enough for you. And in addition to that, you're pushing back against the negative images that come out of our movement not even the ones that are coming out of mainstream media, but that are literally coming from the people who are supposed to be helping and who are supposed to be advocating on behalf of parents, whether they're young or regardless of their maternal age, as you mentioned. So I'm just so grateful that you're doing this work and you continue to hold us accountable and that you even spend a second telling us how the fuck we need to do better because we need you here. And I'm grateful that you also share your wonderful daughter with us as well. Now, I was just going to say that I really do appreciate um, and knowing Gloria. Gloria, when I met Gloria, she was wrapping up her degree, yes. her bachelor's degree. Oh my gosh, yes. And I just remember how much you glowed talking about school because you were literally bucking against all these motherfuckers that you talked about Mm -hmm. when you were growing up who couldn't even muster congratulations to you. But here you were. Not only bossing up, finishing up school, but you were providing for your child this really great life, this yeah. full ass wonderful life. I feel like we've talked a lot of blight. We've talked about like a lot of challenges. But what has been your proudest moment being a mom, being a teen mom, being an Afro Latino teen mom? Like, what has been your, some of your proudest moments? So I will give y'all a list because I like lists. Yes, um, give us a list. So I'm also really bad at like optimism. So it's still gonna be So my proudest moment was my first proudest moment was um in retrospect just deciding to bring my damn breast pump on a school high school campus mm-hmm. and make sure that my baby still had breast milk when I got home. I know that's um, the fuck right. My <laughs> my my other proudest moment was I um, graduated high school with honors because nobody liked me when I became pregnant. So I achieved a 4.0 GPA and was able to graduate with honors. And um, having my daughter be there, having my daughter be there for my high school um, graduation was amazing. My other proudest moment was um, almost running over the security guard at my high school because my daughter's daycare called and said she ran into the bottom of a door. And that she had a huge bruise on her head and I had to, you know, she was okay, but I could come get her if I wanted to. Again, I'm under 18. I can't leave the damn school campus. So I almost ran over the security guard because I knew my baby has getting hurt at this daycare. Um, So I left. And that was a proud moment because it was like, that's when I realized, like, how ferocious a mother can be for her child. Mm. I haven't lost that, not even a little bit. My college graduation was amazing, and she was there for that, too. Um, (laughs) And just, like, I know it sounds super cliche, but, like, this the basic everyday lessons. So the other day, my dad and I were talking, and he told me that he could connect me with someone, and their name was Ricky. And um, so we talked, like, just yesterday about it, and I was like, yeah, can you, like, connect me with him? And he's like, him who? And I was like, Ricky. He's like, that's a woman. And Leilani goes, sexism. <laughs> <laughs> Leilani will call your ass out Sorry. real quick on some sexism or 
racism, you name it, anti-blackness. The baby is sharp, y'all. My nickname for Leilani is Savage Light. <laughs> you know, we started this last summer. I'm Savage. She's Savage Light. She's yes. really amazing. She's amazing. I will never forget where Gloria blessed me again with the honor of watching Leilani. I mean, anybody who needs Man. to watch kids, needs someone to watch kids in D.C., I'm here for it. I had the pleasure of road tripping with Leilani from New York City back to Washington D.C. and let me tell you, the girl has great taste in music. She does. Just well, <laughs> one of the coolest backseat riders I've had in the Honda. <laughs> we took her. I took her to the Library of Congress when Gloria had some meeting, and she was so excited because Leilani is also a hella reader. Like yes. she be reading. Okay, I love going to a bookstore with Leilani. Some of y'all don't look at a book, and this baby is lapping circles around most of us. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What, what are you reading? What should I be looking at, Leilani? Right. But she, we took her to the Library of Congress, and when she found out you couldn't touch the motherfucking books, bitch. <laughs> she was like, why? I'm done. I don't need to see anything else here. Is there a real library at some point? Because I would like to go there. And I took her to the kids' library. We stayed on there like damn near the whole day until she got hungry. In which I took her to CVS and told her to pick whatever she wanted, <laughs> which consisted of chips and candy. And we turned up waiting on Gloria to come back. It was so fun. Yep, that sounds like our road trip almost. <laughs> just, We're just, such bad influences. Auntie, no, I feel like we sound like supreme aunties. We're doing our job. <laughs> That's why when they see us, they be like, Amber, What's Watch me rolling, rolling, rolling on another. We do need a trailer with these shields. We absolutely the fuck do. Trust me, Jazz, uh, Jed and I will drop them off to y'all's asses. Please. Anytime. Thank Just you. let us know. <laughs> to, like, take them. Gladly. We have um, productions yes. in the works. Y'all gonna take, pick your kids up and they all on the viral on YouTube and shit. <laughs> Your child just went viral. <laughs> Yo. They're like, yeah, they got a podcast now, girl. Shit. They hear now. They hear. The kids, the people. Uh, do you mind if they get a Twitter? <laughs> we need a more numbers. <laughs> They're my favorite. But Gloria, you're amazing. I love you so much. Thank you, Gloria. I'm sorry we went over time. Yes, we smoke <laughs> up all your time. Before we let you go, can you tell the people where they can find you? So I want to say one more thing before y'all let me go and where they could find more information about how to support teen parents. Absolutely. Myself and six other um, former teen moms from around the country joined together and created no teen, hashtag no teen shame. Um, it's a movement basically telling teaching folks on how everything that we learned about teen parents is bullshit and how we can unlearn that and how we can do better and so um you can find us across social media hashtag no teen shame or no teen shame.org um and just find like images and posters and things that you can share um ways that you can become a better supporter of pregnant and parenting young people in every way so i guess that's one way people can find me is um no teen shame.org uh, people can find me across social media um, at Gloria Malone. Again, put my government out there. I should have known better. And uh, <laughs> Does that include Snapchat? 
I don't have a Snapchat. You sure don't. You don't have no Snapchat. Delete that. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, so people can find me everywhere across social media um, at Gloria Malone. And yeah. We have some exciting news, Black Joy Jubilee. We can officially announce this shit. Oh, shit. Oh, goddamn. This is that Avion, that Grey Poupon. <laughs> That's it. Hey. <laughs> we the realest niggas after all. Bitch, be humble. Hey. 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 That was our way of announcing that your girls will be doing a TED Talk on June 23rd, 2017. Goddamn, goddamn. TEDx RVA. Richmond, Virginia. It's going. DMV, down. stand up. What's up, cuz? What's up, niggas? What's good? You know, t- somebody done fucked up now, and I know exactly who it is. Shout out to the Cheats movement. The Cheats movement. One time for the one time for the real one, real one, who's a part of the Black Joy Jubilee. Hey. Who was like, you know, that white people have no self control got a ring to it. That got a ring to it. I like this whole Black Joy thing. It's making me have conversations with my loved ones. Right. This seems like an idea worth spreading, bitch. Okay. And y'all thought about doing a TED Talk? And we was like, um, now we are. Now we do, nigga. (laughs) Isn't that how Chimamanda got on the beat? Can a bitch be a hook? Okay. Look, if Beyonce decides to do Bow Down Part 2, I want to be in the number. Please, God. If there's a sweet tea coming. Let me be in the count. Please. (laughs) That's what I figured her next album would be called. To be, you know, a big Frida introduction type situation for the god Beyonce. Ashe. Mm -hmm. But your girls, it's it's just been announced as official. Mm -hmm. We're scared, but we're going to... We're going to stay ready so we don't have to get ready because we're ready to make some iconic-ass TED Talks for y'all to share with your friends. Look, if you in Richmond, go ahead and get some tickets because I need to be mingling with the Black Joy Jubilee so I can feel comfortable enough because they sent an email talking about a thousand people going to be in that theater. And they didn't tell us that when we said yes to this they motherfucker. Showed- <laughs> goddamn. They, they I thought it was going to be a smooth, intimate goddamn audience <laughs> and they're going to say a thousand motherfuckers going to be there. Stop it. They have that's going through practice so there's some insider shit y'all so <laughs> so here's how TED Talk works I ain't gonna bore y'all but they <laughs> train and teach y'all some stuff around some TED Listen. and I was like so what prompt is it for the thousand people like I just need to know how do you prepare for that I don't know anyway we're gonna have to just start practicing outside the monuments or something so goddamn my organizer model is go to TED if you got the resources and you got $50, go ahead and get a ticket. Come see us. Please. Fill the audience with your beautiful face. Please, because you know it's rich. It's still Richmond, Virginia, and this is still... That's why he put in Grey Poupon, the Avion, because you, you niggas ain't heard of this before. Y'all ain't drinking none of that. But yes, please come. If you can't come, there will, of course, be a live stream, and we plan on being this goddamn iconic. Jasmine Styles might even make an appearance, goddamn. No, nah, don't, don't do them like that, hey. man. You know, yeah. you know. We saw the comments on the refinery bit video, y'all. I did hear y'all. <laughs> but, I, you know, just know that I know what I'm doing. Don't worry, mom. <laughs> 
I hope you ain't gonna be on no TED Talk stage with your bits all out. Goddamn. You know, I was clear about my audience at Refinery. I'm clear about my audience at TED and these legs. Right. I'm thinking long term. Right. We're gonna earn our little capsule in the African American. The African American. Museum of History and Arts and Culture. Shout out to the Jubilee. <laughs> Shout out to the Jubilee for holding us y'all down. Y'all are so great. Ashe. So, y'all, y'all listen to the Black Joy Mixtape. We thank y'all so much. If you learned some, learned some, heard something that you ain't never heard before, if you heard something that made you laugh, you know, you got a little change in your pocket, go ahead, put it in the offering plate. We prefer the money that folds, not jingles. Ashe. But please, hit us up at paypal.me backslash blackjoy and you can tip the homies. Tip them. Gloria, you want to tip? Where where can they tip you at? I know that's right. I mean, I kept it real basic. Everything is just Gloria Malone across social. (laughs) Across all social. Great. Uh, Venmo, Gloria slash Malone. Find her. Know her name. Speak her name. She's a god. We love her. We just love her. Mm -hmm. Jasmine, where can they find you online, boo? Y'all can find me at Jazz on Your Mind. Across all social media platforms, including Snapchat. I'm in MIA because my screen's still messed up. Hopefully, this whole fiasco. The devil is busy, y'all. So busy. (laughs) Using AT&T and now FedEx. Girl, okay. (laughs) And I'm just Amber J. Phillips across all social media. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BlackJoyMixtape. And feel free to visit TheBlackJoyMixtape.com where you can send us a word, a shout-out, just something pleasant. Um, And we're going to wrap up like this. Gloria, can you please tell the people, what is your hope for Black Futures this week? Mm, My hope for Black Futures this week um, and every week is that all Black mamas, those who feed their babies Cheetos and quarter water for breakfast, to those who give their baby locks and capers on square plates, um, are respected and loved and held and that we recognize that all parenting styles from all black mamas around the fucking world are acts of resistance, acts of love, and really what keep all of this moving and working and going. And so every day tell a black mama you love them, even if she's not your mama. Every day tell a black woman she is beautiful. Uh, every day look for a trans a black trans woman's PayPal and give to that trans black woman's PayPal. I know that's uh, right. So that's my that's my my vision for Black Futures is that we are able to love black mamas regardless, not regardless, because of how they parent, because of how they look, and because of the things that we are going to unlearn about black mamas. I know that's right, Gloria. We love you so much. Oh, Shay. Mm. I love y'all. Thank you so much. Of course. Yay. My vision for Black Futures is that Black teens are seen as autonomous, thinking, feeling people, that their humanity is honored and is supported, and that they know that they are held in love and in community. And their decisions at that age does not determine or make or destroy whatever future that they have. That they are allowed to learn, 
from missteps and they'll be all right. That's my vision for Black Futures. Ashe, my vision for Black Futures this week is a minimum salary for all parents, um, pregnant and parenting folks, um, regardless of their age, um, regardless of, yeah, I just think if you are under a certain income bracket, you should have a minimum salary to take care of you and your child. So that's my hope. That's my policy agenda for this week. <laughs> my my policy agenda is a stipend. Just if you're a young parent, parent in person, you yeah. just get a stipend. You ain't gotta go nowhere. Just get your check. Right. <laughs> so we're building wealth. Ashe. Generations we're raising. Congrats thing. Ashe. Congratulations, Cardi B. Talk your shit. Let these niggas know. Snapchat this barbecue. Please. <laughs> I would I, I want her to win just for that alone. The Insta And BET also start nominating more fucking black female artists. Like you're you're tripping. Carrie Foe came out, Princess Nokia, you know, so the many options happen. I've year. seen uh Kamaya's out here working on whatever video she she got popping and I'm ready. Everybody got jobs this year. I don't know why BET is still treating this category like it's Nikki and everybody else. <laughs> this is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Shares Media Sound. And you just listened to the, the Black, Black Joy, Joy Mixtape. And thank you. <laughs>